And let's stand for the reading of God's word. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, you saw fit to reveal yourself to the Apostle Paul. And to give him this message and then to give it to the church in Philippi and then to the churches down through the centuries and to us today and no doubt many churches around this world today looking at this very same passage will you use it again? will you use it in our hearts? in our lives? we need you so we pray for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Be seated. Well, most of you in this room have at some time uh, put together a resume. Some of you multiple times. Those of you applying for for colleges, you had to do that recently. It's pretty important. The last time I updated mine was in 2005 when the pastoral search committee of this church uh, uh, needed to look at that. And uh, it's ordinarily for some position 
and you, you put on the resume that which is important, that which you think the people need to, uh, to know about you, and uh, in, in all reality that you think will impress the people that are, are looking at it. Um, in this passage, we're going to see Paul put forth his resume. And then we're going to see him pull it back, and then we're going to see him destroy it. That's what he does. Now, why? Why would he do that? What would cause him to do that in talking about his life, his experiences, and so on. Well, before we look at the the resume, uh, I want you to to note how this passage begins because uh, we want to remember the the theme that we have before us, joy in these times. And we've seen how joy permeates this book of, of Philippians. He starts out and he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, I want to let him off the hook a little bit here because I've I've heard through the years some preachers saying, well, there he goes, you know, this is just your typical preacher that's going to say finally, then they got a whole lot more stuff to say after that. And that's not really what's going on. He is, he's taking what he's said so far and he is continuing to compile it. And, and that's what's, what's going on here. Uh, but he is uh, emphasizing joy. Now remember, remember, he's imprisoned. And yet, here he is talking about uh, joy. So as, as we begin, uh, we see, first of all, and I, uh, he, here's where we're going to, to focus on first, is that human achievement can be mistaken for righteousness. Paul did that. Um, Before he lays out his resume, he starts out with a warning to them. He says, uh, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, Paul is talking about a group called the Judaizers. The Judaizers were those basically who would say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. You can follow him too. But before you do, you got to become a Jew. You got to do everything that it is to become uh, Jewish, and then you can follow Jesus as well. So they were holding on to those, the forms of, uh, of Judaism. That's where circumcision comes in, the law of Moses, and so on. And they were basically saying to the Gentiles, look, yeah, it's all good. Follow Jesus. But if you're going to follow him, you got to get circumcised. You got to keep the law. You have to keep the laws and and so on and do all of those things. And and then, yeah, follow Jesus too. Now, he uses a, a phrase here that in our day, I don't think sounds as bad as it sounded in this day when he says, look out for the dogs, you might be thinking, you know, I love dogs. 
you know, our dog Fluffy or, you know, whatever, you know, some, some, you, some cute name for your dog. Well, they didn't do that in that day. The, the dogs in that day were mangy and filthy and dangerous. And so uh, to call somebody this diseased animal, basically, that was like the, the worst thing that uh, you could call somebody in that day. I, I've, I've thought of some things that we might use in our day, but I thought, why would I share those things with you? I don't want to give ammunition uh, uh, to, to anybody. But uh, so that's what he's saying here. And in fact, he's saying the, the tables are turning here because you Judaizers... You Jews have called the Gentiles dogs. And now he's saying, no, no, uh, something's changed here. It's turned around. It's opposite now. If you're going to add something to the gospel, you're the dog. You can't add to the gospel. By adding to it, you're perverting it and you're diminishing Christ himself. That's why he called them what he did. And then he says this, for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He says that right before he begins to give his credentials. So let me read those credentials again. And I want you to try to put yourself back in in that day because these may not sound all that impressive uh, to us. These are not the things that we would say in our day. But, But remember the audience and remember those that he's speaking about and to. And he says this, verse four, he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This would have been impressive to those who knew Paul before Christ. He's basically saying this. I'm just going to categorize them rather than go into each one. He said, look, I had all the religious rites. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day. Here, what he's saying there is, look, I'm an eighth dayer. I'm not a latecomer like Gentiles. I'm not a convert. I've been a Jew from the beginning. That was important to them. And then he's, he's saying, I, I had the right ethnicity. He said, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, each one of those has a significant meaning. And to, to the Jew, they would go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, wish I was, oh, yeah. He's saying, basically, I'm the right race. 
here. But he came to understand later that this was not about, uh, righteousness was not about being related to Abraham. It's about being related to Abraham's descendant, Christ. That's what ultimately mattered. We'll see how he came to that. And then he says, I obeyed the law. As to the law, a Pharisee, he says. So he's saying, not only am I the right race, but uh, I, my party affiliation was the, the preferred one. It's what you would like to be, a Pharisee. It's what you're striving for. And then he says, I had zeal. I had so much zeal that I persecuted the church. And we see that in, in the book of Acts before he came to Christ, what he did to the church. And then he says, I kept the law. Verse 6, again, righteousness under the law. In terms of that, I'm blameless. Now, when he says blameless, Paul knew he wasn't perfect. But he knew his life was exemplary. Because he saw the law as his salvation, he was meticulous to make sure as much as he could in every area of his life, he kept the law. And he did it well enough that he boasted about it. One commentator uh, about this passage says, in, in today's terms, Paul, as a Pharisee, won all the marbles. The Pulitzer, the Medal of Honor, the most valuable player, the Heisman, the gold medal. Now, again, if you were boasting about your spiritual status, you wouldn't be saying any of these. But... What might someone say in our day, in our context? Some might say, well, I was baptized as an infant. Tell us about your, 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 you know, your relationship. I was baptized as an infant. I went through communicants class. Then I joined the church. I have uh, been an officer. I've even taught in the church. I'm in the PCA. That's a good denomination. <laughs> you see what some might say? But if that's all there is, in those things, as good as they are, there is no hope for eternity, if that's all there is. So, Paul understood that his boastings earned him nothing. And then something changed. So, so what happened? Well, he met Christ on the road to Damascus. And everything changed. Because what happens is uh, Christ is true righteousness and when true righteousness meets up with false righteousness, the false righteousness is exposed. 
And Paul's life was exposed. He was laid bare. And he understood what I've been doing, what I've been striving for, hasn't gotten me righteousness. That he is real righteousness. That's what changed. And here's what he realized. Verse 7. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Savior. He understood that uh, man's standard of achievement is different from God's. Saying, all I've done is, is loss, rubbish. The root word to that is excrement. Dung, trash, the kind of stuff that's thrown to dogs. That's what those things are. And that's when Paul tore up his resume. He said, those, those things that I've worked on all of my life, they're useless. When I was uh, still in seminary, uh, before I had gotten hired to my first position as an as assistant pastor up in Pittsburgh, I, I put together a, a resume. Now, I don't have it anymore, but you know what you do with resumes. So I, I can tell you a number of the things that are on there because w when you don't got much, you put everything on there, right? <laughs> And so I, I would have put every job. I would have said, yeah, I worked at Photomat. And I usually worked three jobs at a time during seminary. I, I worked for the Farmer's Home Administration in a warehouse all, all seven years during college and seminary. I, I was a, you know, I would put on there that I was a, a, a PE teacher at a Christian school. I was a custodian, and I was actually a custodian several different places during uh, seminary, and I, w I would have put all of that on there. Now, fast forward to 2005, and the, the pastoral search committee from this church asked me for uh, a resume. Yeah, I wouldn't have given them the same resume. <laughs> In fact, if I had had it and said, well, you know, let me see what I leave on, what, I, what I'm going to, you know, update, I would have looked at it and I would have said, that's trash. It's no good. There's nothing on there that's, that's worthwhile here. And that's what, that's what Paul was saying spiritually. All of these things that that looked so good, that even impressed other people at one point. They're just excrement. It's rubbish, garbage. It's useless. That's why he trashed it. And so we, we move forward and what we see is real righteousness comes only from a relationship with Christ, faith in Christ, who is the righteous one. That's the only real righteousness. That's what 
Paul realized, and that's why he then continued on with his finalese. Now, we're about to see three theological concepts that should bring us joy. And I know some of you, especially if you've been through Theology 101, you're going to say, well, yeah, only Dale would say theology brings us joy. I want you to see why these should. Now, these words that I'm going to use are not in here, but it's taught here. So I'm going to give you the theological words. They're in your outline too, so you don't have to worry about how to, how to spell them. But the, fir- the first one, uh, as we do some theology, is justification. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, notice this phrase. It says, and be found in him. Christ was a a treasure that Paul was not looking for. He was seeking salvation, and he was building his credit with God in every way he thought, but he didn't find Christ. Christ found him, and that's the way it works. And Paul realized that he was now found in Christ. I love that phrase. Now, one thing Paul was right about, even before Christ. One thing he was right about, he's wrong about a lot of things, but he was right that only righteous people will go to heaven. But where he was wrong was that he thought he could develop a righteousness. He felt like he could could become a righteous person that then could go to heaven. Didn't work that way. The only one who was ever righteous is Christ. And our only hope is faith in Christ, trust in Christ. So how does this this justification work? Well, God gives you a new heart of faith. You trust in Christ alone for your eternal life, for your salvation. And then he declares you as righteous. He does it all. He declares you to be righteous. And that's why that should bring joy to us, that Christ did all the work and it was perfect. And then, if we trust in him alone, it's attributed to us. That's where the righteousness comes from. The second term that should bring us joy is sanctification. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And sanctification is once we are in Christ and he declares us as righteous, then it's, it's our lives more and more conforming to be like Christ as we move through this life until the end of our Life. Now, how do we do that? Well, he talks about <clears throat> this, this uh, p- 
power of his resurrection. That word power comes from the word that we get dynamite. And that's how we do it. Not in our our own power. But we have in us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That power is what enables us to be more like Jesus and, and to know him more. And then there's that next line. And may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. And that's where a lot of people come to a screeching halt. Because they, they're, they're okay with, uh, yeah, of course I want to be like Jesus. Who wouldn't want to be like Jesus? Then he says, part of becoming like him is sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. And that word share is where, uh, from the word koinonia, fellowshipping with him in that. Now, it's not that when we suffer, it contributes to our salvation. Don't, don't ever go that direction. We cannot contribute to our salvation. But it is part of what makes us like Jesus. Not that our sufferings can add anything to merit before God. But when we follow the man of sorrows who is acquainted with grief, we will have our share of it as well. Remember, I I say this all the time, but everyone and everything in your life is there to make you more like Jesus. You know, when we grasp that, then, then we can understand that You mean even this suffering? Everything and everyone in your life is to make you more like Jesus. What does he mean becoming like him in his death? Well, we know Jesus died for our sin, so we don't do that again. But when he did that, He died also to free us from the bondage of sin. And we are to die to that sin and and live to the one who has freed us from that bondage. So when we sin, after we're in Christ, when we sin, it's because we're choosing to, not because we're in bondage to sin, because we aren't. We are free from that bondage. And then the third theological concept that should bring us joy is glorification. Verse 11. It's about being with Christ forever. That by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now when he says by any means possible, Paul is not doubting that he will experience uh, the resurrection. He just doesn't know at this point whether it's going to be in this life that Jesus is going to come back before Paul died or whether he'll die and then experience his resurrection when Jesus does come back. He's not sure at that point, but he he knows that's what he will experience. Either way, that's his joy. 
That's his hope. And that hope permeates everything about him. That this life, he knew that this life is not all there is. He'd already stated, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He'd already made that clear. J.I. Packer said, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. He wasn't saying that they, they go away, that we don't have any more of life's problems. He's, he's saying they're put in perspective. And that's what we see with the Apostle Paul. Now, some of you who are here don't know Christ yet. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you'll keep coming. But some of you who find yourself in that category are likely trying to build your resume. And you're hoping against hope that when it comes time to present your resume to God, that it will be good enough, that you will have accumulated enough goodness in and of yourself. What a burden. And we've already said, it will not be enough. But I want to relieve you of that burden. Paul discovered that all of his hopes and dreams of being righteous enough to be right with God were an impossibility. But rather than him getting frustrated by that or depressed by that or even rather than him working harder when he met Christ, what it did is it gave him a freedom from that burden. And that's what the the gospel does. It frees us up to take joy in Christ. And you can experience that. Tear up your resume. You only need the resume of Christ, of his work. And some of you who do know Christ, you're a follower of Christ but you're still trying to build your resume too. You haven't quite been freed up from that burden. But the great news is if you are in Christ, if you're trusting in him alone for your eternal life, you don't need a resume. Tear it up. Because your main business is to know God through Christ. And if you trust in him his resume is now yours let's pray thank you Lord that 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 is the case that that we don't have to be frustrated or or fearful that that we've done enough to to get a pleasing eye from you 
It is freeing to know that, that we can't, but we don't need to. Because Jesus has already done it. He finished his work on the cross for us. We give you praise for that. Help us to rejoice in that. Lord, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gains, I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that would be a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Amen.